This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the This Week in Rays Baseball podcast. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Thanks very much for joining us on our latest podcast on this day two of the winter meetings. It actually has been fairly busy from a Rays point of view, even though no major trades have been made. Rays have done a couple things. One we know for sure, one has been reported. The one we know for sure is the Rays acquired Ryan Schimpf. He's an infielder. Uh, they got him from the San Diego Padres for a minor leaguer in Dion Tanzel. Tanzel's not a prospect. Basically, Schimpf is a major leaguer who became available with the Padres making a deal with the Yankees for Chase Headley and Brian Mitchell. This gives San Diego more roster flexibility. And for the Rays, this gets their 40-man to 39. Now, I don't know that Schimpf and the acquisition the day before of Joey Wendell or Michael, Micah Johnson two weeks earlier really indicates that the Rays are about to make any sort of trade. I think more so the Rays are looking for some depth, a little more left-handed hitting. We told you that their position player total on their 40-man was lower or lower than normal. Um, they're now at 17 position players, 22 pitchers. Um, and Schimpf is a guy who's a high strikeout guy, uh, but also has a lot of power. He's hit more than 30 homers and less than 600 big league at-bats. So the Rays are, he has options. So the Rays can put him in the minors and he becomes a pretty good insurance policy and a guy that perhaps they can make some adjustments with and they catch lightning in a bottle. Certainly is reasonable. He has five years of control um, and an option. So he's well away from becoming that kind of high ticket type player. Um, in terms of trades, there's been nothing new but the rumors. And we'll get to that in a little bit. You know, the one rumor that uh, I, I wouldn't even call it a rumor. The good news on the prospect front is that the Rays have acquired a player. Uh, the report by Jesse Sanchez, who really is the top international expert from MLB.com, says the Rays acquired or signed Jelfrey Marte, uh, who is a 16-year-old Dominican shortstop. Uh, who had signed initially with the Twins for $3 million, and there were some issues with his physical, specifically um, eye issues. Uh, and the Rays reportedly have signed him for the neighborhood of $800,000. Nothing's been confirmed by Tampa Bay, but you can follow our blog, RaysRadio.mlblogs.com. Um, on our last podcast, we spoke with Eric Neander, uh, the Rays' uh, senior VP and GM. On this one, a couple of people you're going to hear from. Carlos Pena from MLB Network, the former Rays player in a bit. Uh, but right now we're going to hear from Mark Feinzan. Mark is a guy who wrote an interesting column today on MLB.com. He knows the AL East very well. He covered it for 16 years uh, with the Yankees, uh, first on MLB.com, then 10 years with the Daily News in New York. Um, and he wrote a column about how important the Rays are to the winter meetings and also really the offseason because of the players they have in place. So Mark now joins us now. And Mark, uh, you kind of, again, position the Rays in a very key point in this offseason. It is. You know, for all the talk about the free agents who are out there with J.D. Martinez and Hugh Darvish and Jake Arrieta, the Rays obviously have not been attached to any of them given the contractual demands they're going to be seeking. Uh, but given the number of players that are potentially on the trade block in Tampa Bay, uh, they could really help shape this market if they were to move, you know, any one of, you know, four, five, six guys. And, and I think part of that is, okay, it's a chicken or egg theory. 
what's first? Is it a player free agent A, whether he's a starting pitcher, whether he's a position player, whether he's a high-end reliever, signs his contract, or does the trade occur first because people are balking at the, the demands of the actual free agent? Well, I think in a lot of cases, you, you look at some teams that are trying to get better without spending $100 million on a player. Some teams can't spend $100 million on a player. So those teams are obviously looking more at the trade market. So I don't know that you necessarily have the same teams involved in both. I'm sure you have some. Obviously, the Cardinals are a team that's expressed interest in Alex Colomay, who are also talking to the likes of Greg Holland and Wade Davis and uh, you know potentially J.D. Martinez or, or some of the other big names on the free agent market. Uh, but then you've got some other teams that are probably looking to improve that, that can't you know, dip their toe in that free agent pool. So uh, I'm not sure it has to be one versus the other. Uh, certainly some of the potential moves, I mean, let's say, for instance, that the Rays decide to move Evan Longoria. If St. Louis were to acquire Longoria, that probably takes them out of some of those free agents. Uh, so there is certainly a cause and effect to uh, to these moves and, and how they could shape the market. Um, and, and, you know, talking about some pretty notable names in there with Colomay and Longoria and uh, Chris Archer and Jake Odorizzi. And, you know, you've got you've got some guys who, uh, you know, a team that, that might trade for Odorizzi might say, OK, now we don't have to go spend $75 million on Lance Lynn. So uh, they, the Rays really, you know, hold a lot of cards here in this market that could have a domino effect on a lot of teams. And I kind of compare it to a, a childhood story where you kind of pick the route of the story. That's kind of the way the Rays look at the market. You know, you. If, if they trade Colomay, they go this route. If they trade Odorizzi, they could go this route. And they really can't decide this is the player they're going to move until they see how the market is reacting to that player because they're not going to move a guy for less than what they think is fair value. And nor should they. Uh, they've got some very valuable assets, all of whom are under control for multiple years. So, um, you know, to me, Colomay seems like the most obvious trade candidate uh, which I wrote in the column, just based on the fact that relievers are in such high demand and the haul you can bring back for a reliever who's saved 84 games over the past two years and still has three years of club control, uh, you, can, you can really you know, get, some, get some good prospects and, and help restock a system that doesn't need restocking, but certainly bolster a system that's got a lot of you know, major league potential players down there. Um, and, and, you know, controllable assets are the name of the game in, in Major League Baseball right now, and the Rays have four of them who are, you know, very intriguing. And I think it's especially for a, a team like the Rays. They, they're trying to, I don't know, when you're trying to compete against the Yankees, who you covered for so many years, and the Red Sox, you know the resources they have, and you see the way they are positioned with their course, specifically in New York, and the way they've handled themselves at this winter meetings. You have to be smart in the way you go about things, and you almost have to time everything correctly, too. Oh, no question about it. And, and, you know, that's why Archer to me seems like a really unlikely trade candidate because you've got him signed for four years at about $33 million and $13 million over the next two years. So if you get blown away by an offer, sure, you, you have to be open-minded and listen to anything. But to me, Archer's a guy that you look to trade two years from now. Uh, and even then, he's still at that point signed for two years and $20 million dollars. Pitchers of his of his caliber make more than that in one year. So, uh, you know, I, I think the Rays aren't looking, uh, from what I can tell, and, and just having spoken to people uh, in the organization and around the game, they're not looking at a, a tear it down rebuild. This is not the Marlins situation. This is not the Cubs and Astros of, of you know five six years ago, where it's okay, we're just going to stink for a few years, get some good draft picks, re, you know, re, recalibrate everything, and go from there. The Rays are a team that 
prides themselves on contending with their financial limitations. And uh, having a guy like Archer under contract, essentially at an average annual value of $8 million a year, that's invaluable to any team, but especially a team that's trying to contend uh, in a division with two Sharks in the Yankees and Red Sox. So, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Odorizzi gets traded. That would follow the trend that they've had uh, over the past six years with, with Shields, with Price, uh, in terms of, you know, two years left, he's going to make some money in arbitration. Uh, some teams would, would look at him and say that's a value, for a team with the payroll like the Rays, it might be an opportunity to move him and, and you know get some younger guys. And the bottom line is the way to contend with those teams is not only controllable assets but drafting and developing well. And, and having covered the Yankees, I think they've put themselves in the position they're in to acquire the players they have because of they've actually been very good in that area lately. No question about it. I mean, you know, everybody looks at Stanton's contract and says, oh, the Yankees just took on another $25, $30 million a year player, which they did. But when you take into account that Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez, Greg Bird, Luis Severino, and soon Glaber Torres are going to be five major pieces of this club for no money. I mean, these guys aren't even arbitration eligible for two more years. So, uh, you know, the Yankees are in a position where because of the cost control certainty of those young guys, you can take on another big contract and still get under the luxury tax threshold this year, which Hal Steinbrenner has made it very clear that's going to happen this year. And they know that with the team they had last year, they were one win from the World Series. So it's not like 2013 where they signed Ellsbury and McCann and Beltron and were just under that threshold. And then they went and signed Tanaka and blew it out of the water because they didn't think they were good enough. They do think they're good enough now, and I think they are. I think the hard part of that, though, is what happens when you get to July and you think you need one more piece or you may need one more piece and you're right at the threshold. How do you go about, you know, you say you want to be disciplined, but look, you got a chance to win a World Series. you got to go after it. Well, I think that's why they're going to go into the season uh, with some some wiggle room under the threshold. I don't think they're going to go into the season at 195 uh, on a $197 million threshold. They unloaded another $13 million today with Chase Headley. Uh, so that puts them right now at about 157 They can go out and spend 25 or $30 million more this offseason and still have a good 10 to $15 million to play with at the deadline and still stay under the threshold. So they've positioned themselves very well. Um, obviously, they're going to try to unload some of Jacoby Ellsbury's contract. He's got a full no-trade clause, though, so that's really going to be on him whether he wants to do that or not. Uh, but even if they're unable to unload Ellsbury, whether he stays there or they end up just releasing him uh, and just eating the money, they're in a position where they can, they can spend more this winter, go into the season at about 180 and uh, and still have some, some money to spend at the deadline. Mark, good stuff as usual. We appreciate some time here at the winter meetings. I know you got a lot of work or a lot more work to do with what's going to go on over the next couple of days. My pleasure, anytime. And that is the executive reporter from MLB.com, Mark Feinzan, who of course covered the Yankees for 16 years prior to that. Uh, now, I also mentioned earlier on the podcast that we're going to hear from one Carlos Pena. Uh, Carlos, of course. The Rays now second all-time home run uh, hitter in their history behind Evan Longoria, and he's covering now for MLB Network. So I had a chance to chat with Carlos. First of all, to give perspective as a former player, what's it like to be going through the winter meetings, not knowing if you may or may not be traded, and also if you're a free agent, what it's like to also know or not know where you're headed next? As a player, the winter meetings are extremely uh, stressful at times, especially if you are trying to sign. 
Uh, let's say you are, it depends where you are in your career, of course. You know, if you have a lot of leverage, you had a great year and you're a free agent, then you're just sitting, just excited about what's coming. But uh, I, I've been in both uh, sides of the coin, you know, where sometimes you're like, yeah, I need to find a place, land a, a spot where I'm going to have an opportunity to play. Uh, and maybe that's uh, a little bit more s stressful, you know. But it's fun, man. This place is just uh, electric. You know, everybody's here. The whole entire industry is here. So it's extremely interesting. But as a player, it all depends on what you did the year before, right? And where you're sitting. How about the possibility of being traded if you're in, this, in that spot? Yeah, the, the possibilities of being traded are, traded are huge, you know, and that's one of the things that as players we have absolutely zero control over. So it's very difficult because you get attached to the ball club. Uh, you know, I know I was that type of guy that gets emotionally attached wherever I was because I wanted just to give it all I had. However, when that happens, you know, and you get traded, it just breaks your heart, you know. Uh, so as a player, you have to be a professional as well. So, yes, have fun playing the game, but understand that this is a business and that some moves are going to be made, and that's easier said than done. So what is it like covering this now? It's so exciting. You know, now obviously I have, uh, I'm not invested uh, emotionally in, in, in no place. You know, I'm invested emotionally right now in doing a good job of informing, uh, you know, the audience of what's really going on. And, and that's, uh, it's just different perspective all of a sudden. So I have the bird's eye view. I know everything that's going on. Uh, you know, we get all this insider information that just on the leading edge of, of, of everything. So it's so much fun. I feel like I know what's going to happen before it happens. You have to tune in if you really want to find out, you know. Uh, but uh, it's, it's a blast, man. I'm having so much fun. And that much easier being in your backyard for the winter meetings, too. Yeah, this is great, right? <laughs> I'm here at the, in Orlando. This, this is my hometown. Um, so it's so, so cool that I just uh, have to drive, you know, 10 minutes uh, from my home to get to this spot. Um, the whole entire industry, every single major league ball club and their executives are here, which is awesome. You have superstar players walking around the halls, you know, so it's, it's really exciting. At the end of the day, I'm a baseball fan. I've always been. I know that I played for many years, but I'm, I'm just a kid who loves uh, th this game um, and uh, trying to do the best I can uh, in whatever uh, endeavor I just uh, take off on. And right now, it's the MLB Network. We, we're having so much fun doing that. I love it. Love it here. Love the people I'm working with. And uh, just it's baseball. Who, who wouldn't be happy to, to be doing what I'm doing right now? And it certainly shows. What's your, your take on the Rays? Because they're rumored to be in a lot of potential scenarios trade-wise right now. Yes. You know, when I look at the Rays, it's one of these ball clubs that just, just goes in, in, in cycles. You know, and I know that you have one constant. And right now that one constant is Evan Longoria. And there's been rumors of him leaving and getting traded. You know, it comes a time in an organization where you have to make some tough decisions, and that one is going to be extremely tough. Sometimes teams are in between, you know, and, and you can really lose a lot when you sit in between. You're like, well, should we trade our players? Should we hold our players? And then you really don't get anywhere. You don't, you don't make progress. I think the Rays are in a position right now that they probably will be better served if, if they traded away their uh, players for young, young talent and start that rebuilding process. That's, you know, it's, it's, it's extremely uh, painful to see a, a guy like Evan Longoria go, but maybe this is the time. Now, this is me speaking objectively as the baseball analyst, okay? My heart, I don't want to let <laughs> I can't let Longoria go. Are you kidding me? My son is a huge fan of, of Longo and, you know, all the guys over there. So 
uh, you have to just sometimes put that aside emotionally and just think about it objectively. And objectively, I think it would be the right move to uh, move all the pieces that you can possibly move. That is Carlos Pena. Pretty good stuff from him. And uh, as we sit about 5 o'clock on this uh, second day of the winter meetings on Tuesday, again, Rays made one trade, Ryan Schimpf, getting him for a minor leaguer from San Diego, the 40-man, at least as we speak, at 39. Now, should we have further updates on either uh, trades or other moves or anything of major consequence, you can follow me on Twitter, at Neil Solons, follow our blog, raiseradio.moblogs.com, um, and also, as needed, we'll have additional podcasts. Now, Thursday, on our flagship, 620, we'll have another half-hour show that will be uh, headlined by Dave and Andy. They'll anchor it. And uh, we'll have a full rundown of what went on during the winter meetings. Again, if we need a podcast before that, we'll have it. In the meantime, uh, enjoy what's going on in the winter meetings. Stay warm, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.